0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGENs and DGENettes to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Steven, the personality, Cesaro, (laughs) Eric Johansson, and I am Armand Asadi. All links at Alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe. We love you. We appreciate you. Follow along wherever you're listening and uh, hit us up on the socials. And last but not least, dive into our Discord where uh, Stephen was just nicknamed the personality. A lot of fun stuff happening in there in the after party. Cheers, boys. Really excited for this episode. Salud. 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 All right. On the agenda today for investing, we have a market update. There's a lot going on. I'll save it for the update. Policy We're talking about the new stimmy checks in California and uh, whether or not this is a good strategy. And for the life segment, deep fake, we're gonna get weird. Deep Let's do fake. this, Eric. Do you want to kind of give us the uh, market overview here? Oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, mm. yes, alfalfa rock. All right, go for it, Nick.
1: Um, okay, I had a bunch of random things that happened. Uh, one of my old NFT projects, the Began Punks. Just all of a sudden just took a ride and started. Have they
2: been mooning? I'm all, I still. I they're mooning? I'm, I'm holding. They did. They're you're still holding.
1: Extreme volume. And I randomly really? had three left over in a wallet. And thank God, uh, Carnius <laughs> out of Chris alerted me. Well, you, you dump you now? Oh, dumping. absolutely. Of uh, course. You held yeah. for two years and now you're going to dump <laughs> on this pump? Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, thank you. You can <laughs> thank have thank that. that Wait, just out of
2: curiosity, what do you uh, liquidate those for? Uh, point
1: three five to point five. Oh, we're That's going orange. to the moon, baby. Point five. It is garbage.
2: We're going to the moon. Wow. Just, I just got like 30 of those things. Give me yeah. my ETH back. Can I tell you that I sold one of those for seven ETH?
1: You, you, what? <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you top tick that bad yeah. boy? Wow. Wow. Um, That's
3: weird. That's impressive. The anyway. Beat, the Gan punks. So the bas- Bastard ganpunks.
1: Bastard GAN punks. First. Which B2, I have ever minted. I, I forget. still like
3: that project. I forget what I GAN like stands for, a but
1: that technology is part of like deep fake technology we're so, gonna get oh, into okay. that nice, later nice tie in yeah out. we'll yeah, tie it yeah. in later beautiful um i don't know if this is alpha, alpha but i did find an artist that i've always liked his name is david cho he had a mint today so i bought it it was like i don't know 0.2 ETH, a couple hundred bucks his prints go for like 2500 bucks i'm not saying this is like hmm. a number go up nft but i just bought it as like a personal art collection choice um and then i was researching gmx i saw there was 11 yield in eth if you're a token holder that I believe stakes, you get something like 30% of the transaction fees. So it's just nice to see another protocol actually pay out in ETH. Some real DeFi yield, maybe? Yeah, I'm not buying it. I just. Do you trade just, on that platform? Uh, no, but I thought about switching from DYDX just because of the yield the opportunities yield. there and see if, uh, yeah. And also if DYDX you know, pulls off of ETH in six months. Well, I mean, do gives you some nice reward. Like I get a lot of, a lot rewards. of tokens. Yeah, lot, yeah.
3: Like every time I turn around, they're like, here's nice. Do you have to claim those? Like, Cause I'm,
2: I've never actually claimed them. Yeah. Like, you have it, to claim them. Do they expire? Damn. I should probably I claim them. I don't know if they expire, but you should definitely, but it's gasless. So, I mean, okay.
1: I, I don't, I don't know, uh, do I get a couple bucks is the token? No, it costs, you have to claim them on mainnet. So, um, so anyway, just researching that, going to keep my eye on it. And then, uh, stacking cash. I think we're going to see three digit ETH here soon. Risk is definitely to the downside. So just, uh, watching and waiting.
2: Okay. I think, uh, with the theme of stacking cash, I, I'm like pretty nervous about the macro, uh, Picture, which we'll probably get into in in our money segment, but like I'm sort of getting out of the shorts, I'm selling puts against ETH. I need to get back into ETH, right? So that, that's my long term game. Get back into ETH. We're gonna see three digit ETH again. I'm pretty sure. Um, how do you play that? Like how I'm playing it is just selling puts, and you know, it's to the point. Like I'll have low strikes where I will probably lose some of these contracts and be happy because I'm just like buying a dip uh, and getting paid a bit of a premium. So I was selling the, the July, uh, monthly strike end of July. And that was like a, a one month, 5% yield. I was getting uh, like paid in, in premium and, you know, annualized. That's pretty solid. Yeah. What's Uh, the strike? 750 put. Ooh, that'd be nice for, for one month. Yeah. For one month. So annualized pretty good return. And like, if I buy at 750 happy either way, you know, so that's the way I'm doing it. I think the way that goes wrong is if like if ETH doesn't go down to seven fifty and then like I never get my ETH back. I never like buy ETH, that's a problem. Mm. Uh, but that's the way I'm playing it.
1: Worst case you FOMO back in at twelve hundred though.
2: Exactly. Right? Like I, I think we'll have a long accumulation period mm-hmm. regardless.
3: I hope. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty long right now. I'm not sure why I'm long. <laughs> Are you sure you want to be long I, right now? I, I'm really long right now. Not because I really feel good about price going up be, because I just really feel like I know when I'm wrong and when I'm wrong, I don't feel like I lose a lot. And and I, I do think there's like a non-zero chance that ETH just rips to like 1700 for like a month or two. I think people have really, I, I'm also just like, I'm, I'm just so contrarian by nature. You know, I, I had a lot of fun being like a huge, grizzly bear for a while. Now everybody's bearish and I almost am just like, well, I'm mm, going to screw you. That's I'm going go, to go long, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, do I really want to be long? I don't know. Th- this isn't, this isn't a good alpha segment for me because I'm just, a, I just want to go back to the last episode <laughs> and ask your
1: therapist on why you have to counter everyone. <laughs> like there's something there. Um, I mean, to, to your point though, I have started looking at yields
3: again. I'm kind of interested in this. Have you guys seen the umami finance on
1: Arbitrum? Heard about it, but haven't dug into it. Same.
3: Yeah, I've been digging into it a little more. It's interesting. They're actually like incorporated in the US. They like got one of these kind of dual kind of DYDX Uniswap style things where the DAO is not part of them, but there's like a corporation. It makes me feel like a little bit safe. They haven't launched a vault yet, but it's supposed to be a vault that basically. Pays you an ETH, right? Like the, the new DeFi, I think, is going to be, can we create products that pay you in like actual yield? Like they Love don't just that. like inflate a token and pay it to you. And it's just this weird Ponzi shell game. Um, I think the first vault they're launching does some interesting stuff with GMX and TracerDAO, both on Arbitrum. Um, I, I think the principle behind it is that it invests in the GLP pool, which pays like a really healthy yield, and it comes from like real place, like trading fees, right, and also traders losing, which they they do, right, right. Um, and then they use tracer data hedge, but. Tracer DAO itself, like, is paying you money to to just use it, right? So you're you're gonna get a yield that's from the skewed. GLP, and then the hedge itself is going to yield because you're getting paid to just but use. But that's like, when a,
1: you're taking the least popular side of the trade, right? It, when you take anything on Tracer
3: DAO, I think you can farm, oh. right? If you buy three S ETH or three L ETH or whatever, like, I I think Tracer is paying like you rewards in Tracer to to do that. So it's kind of this like interesting thing where you're you're sort of taking a, a delta neutral position in GMX, which is as as you said this like nice perp exchange on Arbitrum, and then you're getting paid to to hedge it out. And they I, I saw them I saw them quoting like 30, 40 percent yields in the Discord. They were speculating on it. These de- yields always collapse, so I never hang my hat on it. But uh, I think it's interesting. I'm starting to kind of get optimistic again on the DeFi stuff because it got really. It it was just so demoralizing for a while, right? Everything just started getting really sketchy and scammy. The yield wasn't worth it. You just wanted to like pull all your coins out, just hold them in a wallet and just go away for a bit. Um, So it feels good to be coming back. I was going to start getting into the arbitramodicy. Uh, Is that what it's called? Arbitramodicy? It is. It is. Okay. For a second, I thought I just said the wrong word and I felt really dumb. Um, But they, they paused it today, I think, so.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, this is when like the marketing guy at that company is just like, guys, are you kidding me? Like the one big marketing push, like, you, you eight had eight one is. job. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's the 29th. Yeah. yeah. It's the 29th today. Anyway, that's, uh,
1: that's my week in
3: short.
0: Okay. So I had a really interesting week. Um, mm. it started with doing the work of revisiting my thesis. And I, I remember I texted you guys from the, from the, oh. uh, I think my layover, cause I, get on these flights. I never get internet. And I think that the most creative time I ever have in my life is on, is on airplanes. And like, um, as I'm even writing like my book, like I intend to spend more time on airplanes just to be able to do that, to get that done. (laughs) Funny, funny enough, there's an incredible author. You guys probably know Simon Sinek, the Mm -hmm. Ted speaker Mm. who writes the majority of his books on, on airplanes. Um, I feel like trains is the the bigger unlock. Just take a long train ride. Is
3: he the start with Y guy? Oh, yeah.
0: That's like, what, 15 years old at this point? Yeah, I remember that.
3: I remember listening to that. He's still
0: thriving off that. His whole brand is called Start With Y still. (laughs) Yeah, the beam. Um, (laughs) So it was incredible. And when I revisited that thesis, I realized that I'm going to do like a quarterly revamp. Whereas... Mm. I think the last time I really had taken a good solid look at it was over two years ago. And I overhauled everything to the point where I got specific about every segment of my portfolio and what I want to do within every segment, not just allocations, but like what constitutes like a good investment for me in NFTs. And so one of the decisions that came out of that was, um, you know, it's funny because like I wasn't here for the last episode, right?
3: We noticed. Ah,
0: you guys did. I did. And I listened to it as a listener. And first of all, I really, I really enjoyed it. And, um, thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. Number one fan. And what I actually took away from the punks conversation is really interesting. So I've been like putting on this more for the spirit of the conversation. I, I think you, you've always known that is like, you know, I'm the mute nape guy and couple of either punks guys and steven's also been like ready to get back and get in the game with a punk and oh, i am in the game and now you are in the game right deep down like i've always believed like punks are superior in in many ways i am worried about the future of crypto punks given that they're now owned by yuga labs but i prefer the culture i don't like the board culture as much i think there's a lot to have but for example at Ape Fest, uh, I was told like in great detail that when you went to Ape Fest and you went to go buy merch, going and buying like, you know, board Ape merch was like walking into an Apple store. It was an experience. People were clapping for you. It was a whole charade. Whereas punks don't have any of that. And anyway, what I'm trying to say is I listened to that episode from the outside. Actually, your guys' conversation was something that gave me a the push that I had Already the, the the internal struggle I was having deep down to list my mutant was like, okay. Oh, so it's listed. Yeah. It's being sold. Well, yeah, That's I a pretty cool conversation we he's, had then, I guess. It was that's a very weird. cool conversation. And I, I enjoyed mean, we're it biased. as a we're all We're all biased, obviously. I am, I am definitely, yeah. I super definitely biased. Have
3: bag bias now. Of course. I think punks are just going to the moon.
0: Well, I don't think that... that I, I have no idea what it's going to look like in the long run. But I do know that like that was one reason. And then... This was what four episodes ago when I was in like wherever I was in Greece and I was in another country and I woke up to do the uh, metaverse land sale for Yuga Labs and I was like really disheartened by that whole thing. That was like the big strike for me was like watching the way the Yuga Labs founders played that. I'm sure they're awesome people. And we should talk to them for sure. But like, I just didn't like the way that was executed. And that showed me something about the way the community was being treated. And I have all these different examples where I was like, yeah, I would prefer to have a punk. So well, it's a
2: lot easier to, to compare punks versus apes and like compare those two cultures than to like say in absolute terms, punks are going up in price, you know, like, so I, I think that's a fair point.
0: Yeah. So that was, uh, that was very big. And, um, you know, we were texting about this and I, and kind of talking portfolio structure and how perhaps it would have been uh, prudent to move to cash a little bit more quickly. And so I've really taken that more seriously. I only and, had uh, uh,
2: three people telling you every week. <laughs> three people? <laughs> uh,
0: well, you're three. looking at me too.
3: You guys have mocked me for being a beer, uh, <laughs> a beer, <laughs> a bear forever.
0: Yeah. I think Nick and I both were like playing it similarly. Well, like,
1: I think it's different when you have the majority of your investable capital in crypto, you probably more likely to pull it into cash when you think things are going down. Yep. But if it's a smaller percentage, I think you're okay saying I'll write it all the way through. Would would I be richer today if I would have, you know, pulled it in cash and just, yeah, for sure but totally. when it's a smaller percentage it feels it feels okay it feels comfortable it's not like a freak out right. moment for not especially when
0: you have the identity which can be uh, it's it's not always it's not always a positive thing to have this identity of like i am a hodler or i am a trader True. uh and so when you have that identity that I've been working through of like, I am a hodler, especially from the world that I came from, which was just like investing in Vanguard index funds. And then all of a sudden moving to crypto and being like, apply the same methodology, right. which you and I have talked about many, many, many times. Yeah, uh, And even you've said that it's not something that you do moving to cash. It Absolutely. was just a very small amount of your bag. So I was not ready to just like take a significant portion of my Ethan Bitcoin bag and move it to cash. But looking back, do I wish I had done that more? Yeah. And so I've started to do that. Started DCA DCA my way back in and yeah, just looking for triple digit uh, ease again to to really back up the truck. So that was my week. Cool. Yeah. All right, on to markets. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay,
2: so on the market conversation today, what we thought we would do like normally we we like dissect some silo of of investing or or money as a topic, and what we thought today is just like let's uh, think of it holistically. What what are we seeing in markets? And I think that's what we want to talk about. So today is Wednesday June 29th Bitcoin's at 20k and ETH's at 1100 19993 now it's it's all over Okay Mr <laughs> Personality right. I got that. tone it down I got the chart right here I'm just I'm just glued to it in real time <laughs> um, you know a lot has gone on in markets but I think like we're all very uh, cognizant of the fact that macro is driving this whole this whole truck or boat or whatever you want to say macro is driving <laughs> the whole thing so I think this conversation is probably going to start with macro. And like what I am taking out of it is uh, I revisited that Stan Druckenmiller conversation from the Sloan conference two weeks ago. And uh, a couple of things that that I want to point out is like, uh, man, this sometimes it's great to just like mimic the best in the game. Stan is probably one of the top three guys in this entire game. And he's been sort of just like right his whole career kind of. Um, but one thing that stood out to me, he's like, He's like, never invest for what you're seeing right now. Like don't invest for today. Picture a world 12 to 18 months from now, like envision what the world's going to look like in 18 months and what, like picture what security prices look like in that world that you're creating. And I think like these conversations are helpful to like help us create that future vision of what it's going to be in 18 months. So I started doing that. I started doing that personally. Like I, I wrote it down and like I broke macro down into like, all these different categories, inflation, feder- like monetary policy, fiscal policy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I haven't like formulated fully what that looks like, but I think this is a, a path that I feel comfortable with, kind of like how you're, you're building out your portfolio uh, thesis. Like I'm building out this like macro thesis and I'm trying to envision a world 18 months from now and like what, mm. what do uh, security prices look like in this world? Uh, and you know, we've had like good discourse today in, in our like money section of our, our discord channel. And you know, like Rizzy's giving up great stuff, like Steven's adding in, like a lot of people are adding in. And, um, what I'm thinking is like, there's never been a harder time to allocate money in my entire life than right now.
0: Mm.
2: And, uh, I don't know. It seems like everyone's kind of feeling that, right? Yeah. Cause like so many things could, could lead it one direction or another. How I land right now is that like bearish thesis is still in play but that doesn't mean that we can't have some like rapid and dramatic melt up somewhere along the line. And that's sort of where I'm picturing this thing going in the near term. And it's like to Steven's point he's, he's long right now just, I think because we've had like 12 straight weekly red candle, maybe 13 straight weekly red candles. It's like at some point it has to bounce reverse. Something has to happen. And what I'm seeing is that, uh, in two weeks, uh, July 13th, they're coming out with like, uh, the CPI print earnings are coming out on, on companies in TradFi. These could be catalysts to surprise with good news. And we haven't had good news in six months. All I think, yeah. all it takes is like one piece of good news to send Funny, this thing. In a different you said direction. That the
0: other day, I was like, you're totally right.
2: So that, that's how I'm going to frame up this like uh, money conversation, but whoever wants to go. Mm.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on the, uh, this is the hardest time to invest Obviously, in our lifetimes, they haven't been that long. But even, even, even beyond that, I, I've I've seen a lot of people who are very experienced investors going, I don't know what the hell to we'll do right now. It was pretty obvious to people who were sort of in the know at the end of last year, right? Like all the a, a lot of big guys, a lot of the drugs of the world were saying, like, this is stupid. Um, there's going to be this Fed uh, push to kind of pull liquidity out of the system. If you're in risk assets, you're going to get hurt. And the, the the risk reward was really good if you sold your ETH in the four thousands and that thing could go down to four hundred bucks. But now it's like, yeah, um, totally ETH could lose fifty percent. It it could, but fifty percent on the downside if you're shorting versus this is the bottom and ETH goes to ten K or something and you just get your face ripped off and now you have no ETH and you're broke, like it's it just doesn't look super attractive to short. 12 weeks in the red, everything down, everybody's bearish at the same time. It feels bad to buy things. So it's like, yeah, it's like, what do you do? So I feel like what you said with the stand quote, look 12 to 18 months and think about it. That's what I've started doing. I do feel like 18 months from now, like a thousand dollar ETH could be something you look back on and be like, wow, that was, that was really obvious. Huh? That was, that's pretty obvious. Why don't we buy a thousand? kind of how it feels. that's how i felt during covid right when bitcoin crashed to 3k but i remember being in that moment and being afraid i was mm-hmm. like it's going to go it's going to go under a thousand yeah it's you over. could you
2: could say like oh we have 50% downside from here like you can obviously like draw that narrative out as well so mm-hmm. i've
3: i've felt this feeling before and been wrong like basically every time i was wrong during covid i was wrong during the crash of 2018 i was wrong during the 2009 like recrash. Remember when we came out of the financial crisis and we sort of started crashing again and people were like, oh, this is dead cat bounce. You idiots. The whole system's going to zero. And then that ended up kicking off just like a decade and a half of up only. And I wasn't in the stock market. Like I, I got out.
1: February, March of 2009.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I got out before the crash, preserved all my capital and then <clears> made <throat> almost nothing on the way back up it was it was was a huge mistake because i got caught up in the fear porn and yeah it might be different now some things are different now it's really tough to to parse this stuff for for sure but i i I don't know anything to do other than to look like way in the future and then like also simultaneously like one to two months ahead so i've kind of like bifurcated my portfolio into like a long-term thing And, and like i obviously actively trade so like i'm looking at like income generation on this like one to two month thing. When I look at crypto and Bitcoin and when I look at all this stuff, like I I do think the risk reward is pretty good here in the short run. Like, sure, I could be wrong. Yeah, we could just nuke even more, even though it's like insane. Of course that's possible. But I also feel like 20K Bitcoin, there's a lot of buying happening here. If you're wrong, like it's kind of obvious where you're wrong. You're not going to lose a lot on the downside if you know how to manage risk. and then i think the upside is pretty good here and if people aren't active managers which i know most people are not then
1: if you have a long term view like these are these are good prices right, right. They, mm-hmm. they they are well i mean i kind of want to fit eric's analysis into a question i have so what i've been looking at is like um interest rates increasing interest rates you know affect discounted cash flow models right and that affects the the PE multiples, right? So we've seen multiple compression, obviously, because we know interest rates are going up. The next question I have is like, well, if we go into recession, are we going to see the actual earnings part of that formula go down? So we've seen this pullback because of multiples going down. Are we going to see an even further pullback because we go in recession? And let's say, let's look at a few examples, like Facebook, for example, they've pulled back because interest rates are higher, discounted cash flows, you know, more expensive, um, but maybe because we go into recession, just people spend less on advertising. So do you see that as like a potential next leg down? Because to me, that seems like the the next step. And I remember 2007, 2008, 2007 was like, okay, we went down. And then 2008 was the real recession and things went down even further. I have a question. Yes. Are you referring just to stocks or are you talking about crypto? Just GB? stocks, just, right? just stocks, Yeah, right? just stocks. And then okay. we can talk about, you know, like, is crypto going to lead that? You yeah. Know, Cause I say, think that's an
3: interesting right.
1: thing to ask. Yeah. So I think
2: with stocks, like
1: <clears throat> my base
2: case thesis is, is that does play out, but it, it might play out over a longer period of time and it, it doesn't um, necessarily go there direct price. Doesn't go there directly necessarily. And I think what I'm saying is that in the near term, you could see some response, some bounce in the market just on like a piece of good news that has nothing really to do with the earnings that you're describing. Um, you know, like if there's like a low CPI, like we've seen commodities pull back dramatically. We've seen like a lot of a lot of prices sort of like decelerate in their inflation already. So like if CPI comes out low on uh, on the 13th of July, like maybe that is a catalyst to like send the market back in the near term before like earnings really starts to like hit um, the stocks. Like so is that
1: a bear market rally or is that? us potentially leading us out of this no it's a local. scam pump that we're okay. short. Sure. all right <laughs> i'm glad i asked <laughs> so the other question i have before we get into like is crypto going to lead that is um you know I, i've been learning more about volatility and its role in some of these like uh crashes or declines and it seems like volatility in order for the the crash to kind of or the, the decrease to kind of fully live its life out. Volatility has to increase specifically the VIX goes over something like 40. And we haven't seen that. And I know we're getting a little technical, but I just have this like nagging question of like, do we need to see that in order to say, okay, we got out the capitulation part. You know, we've had this like orderly decline of decreasing stock markets, but I don't know if I've had, um, the Uber driver or my mom or anyone else be like, oh my God, did you see what happened in the right. stock market where we have actual panic? And so my next question is, do we need to see that live out to feel like, okay, we're on the other side of this? It almost feels too easy if that happens. Like it's right? almost too formulaic. Yeah, and, doesn't yeah. it doesn't, it?
3: <laughs> like the markets almost feel like cruel lately. Like they don't want to give you easy plays. They don't want to give you, oh, there's the capitulation candle and now I just buy back in with all my worth, like Arthur said, you know, it's like, I, 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 <laughs> I also, But on the other hand, there's the other voice on my shoulder being like, this time isn't different, right? Because I I remember thinking this in the past, like this happened a lot during the last crypto bull run where I had these principles and I was like, when these things happen, (laughs) it's not different. You're going to get out. Mostly it's about getting out, right? But still in the moment, in spite of my prior self prep, I was like, well, actually, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is a super cycle maybe it is like, maybe this, maybe, this, and, it, and it wasn't like, none of it was, it was all the same. If I just followed all of the original plans, I'd be better off than I am now. So I, although I want to do like the kind of like fancy thing, it'd be like, Oh, maybe it's just, maybe there's not going to be a capitulation. Maybe there's not. Cause everybody wants it. I I, I kind of feel like that will probably still happen. I, I think. Yeah. So, So now it won't because I just said that. Well, how do you feel about like,
2: go ahead. If you want to go, Uh, I was just going to say that like, you know, Armand, you and I have talked in the past about like Ray Dalio's all weather portfolio. And in the discord, we were talking about uh, something called the cockroach portfolio, which is very similar. And it's like, man, don't you just think that that strategy wins over a long period of time? Like right now you would have been like, fuck, it would have been so nice to be like 25% gold, 25% cash. Mm -hmm. You would be ignoring all, this entire thing mm-hmm. and it's like we sit here and you know discuss and kill ourselves bang our heads against the wall trying to like time this shit and it's like man this is actually just stupid like
3: is that like that's like the kind of Chris Cole dragon portfolio yes, what yeah, is yeah. it like it's like 20% cash 20% commodities 20% real estate 20% yeah, so bonds that's like 20% stock or something it's yeah something so like the that. defensive
2: yeah. side is all those things you mentioned and on the offensive side you could go with like uh stock tech mm-hmm. tech shit or whatever. And like you, you kind of like are protected against every market environment. You participate in the upside. And I, man, I'm like, we do this professionally. So we have to like think about it all the time, but I'm just thinking like, fuck this, this is sort of the the, I, the TLDR.
3: I, I do think that that portfolio, whether you want to call it the dragon portfolio, or there's people who have like different versions of it, but I do feel like for the average passive investor, I think that is the, play for the next 10, maybe 20 years, right? I think the era of just like investing in index S&P and like some bonds, I don't, I think that could go away. Like this is a rough time to be investing. I think you either have to be really good at trend following or you have to have this like broad expansion, like outside of these asset classes that you're normally thinking about. And if if I had income outside of investing, which unfortunately I don't, that's what I would do. I would go to that portfolio. I might maybe like strategically expand the crypto element a little bit, but I would just do that and just go back, go outside and touch some grass. Yes. Yeah, cause I don't think there's anything else you
1: can do right now. It's just a rough time. We could ask the discord if someone will give you a job, if you're really, <laughs> outside of investing. Income. please, someone gives Steven a job. Please help. Uh, well,
3: I- I'm actually curious, like Armand, your perspective on this as a non, like, cause I- I'm doing the Druckenmiller like I'm in cash or like 130% of my net worth is in like Ethereum type thing. But that's a terrible strategy for everybody else on the planet. Basically. And you seem like my idea of like a sane person who has like diversified income and is trying to make like long-term balanced decisions. Like, how are you feeling about the current environment? Like, what do you want to do? And what are your, some of your things you're wrestling with?
0: It's really challenging. Um, I come from a world where I read books like the simple path to wealth. I, th- I think that's what it's called. JL Collins. And. It is a 12 chapter book that is literally trying to sell you on the idea of putting all of your money in a Vanguard index fund and going to sleep happy. And then I read books like uh, psychology of money and it argues over again, a series of like 12 chapters that you can't be, you, you, you can't actively beat the market essentially like sit back, play the all weather portfolio, the dragon portfolio and live your life. The challenge I have is that um, I'm in this world. I'm exposed to it. I'm always in the conversation. So if you're going to dedicate a certain amount of time to investing, but you're not going to think and identify of yourself as a trade or, how do you balance those two acts? That's the challenging part. You're constantly hearing what Steven did, what Eric did, what the world is doing, and yet you're trying to tell yourself, like I'm not going to sit around and be an active trader, and I know I probably should have moved to cash to a certain degree. How do I manage that? And I think that the balance or the algorithm comes down to something around the amount of time you're actually investing corresponding to making decisions with the right amount of... It's so hard to like parse through this, but it's like, that's what I wrote about for like 12 pages on a flight where I had to sit down and say, I need to revisit this every quarter based on the amount of time I've been putting in. And that's how active I should be is essentially the answer. So it's like, if I've been pretty inactive, then I need to put myself in a position where I can sit back and watch this burn and crash and drop 90%. But what percentage of my portfolio is that going to be? So like what it looks like for me is that to me, stocks and crypto look pretty much the same. I'm still in stocks to a certain degree because I like a few of the companies that I'm invested in. I just like them. Like I like the feeling of owning them the way you like the feeling of like owning the crypto punk. No, you don't. (laughs) I think I do. I think I do. No, uh, arguably no. Because I don't have (laughs) Tesla as my profile picture. No. So yeah, it's not the same, but I love the company and I love the idea of owning a piece of that company. Mm. And I think it's the same idea. So like, to me, the volatility that exists in the stock market, the risk aspect of stocks and just like participating in, in the economy and that side of things is the same as just being involved in crypto. So for me, like I have crypto at 50% of my entire portfolio right now. Mm. Okay.
3: So so you're, you're, you're kind of barbelling like I am, you're like basically cash, Now, (laughs) now
0: here's, here's the other thing. I don't own any real estate Mm. zero. And so like my, my next move, if I can, I I wish I could reference the hello train. I wish I could reference the exact episode, but you know, Nick has been telling us for years about, um, limited partnerships in, in real estate. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel like what the hell is going on with that thing? I feel like, uh, in the next 18 months, a move for me would be to put uh, at least 10% toward real estate. And so I have like allocations written out and things like that. But one of the decisions, one of the changes I'm going to make is absolutely barbell, not just cash, but I, I need a certain amount of real estate. I mean, not necessarily in a primary residence. I wouldn't view that as like an investment personally. We should do that as an that's episode. That's actually a good topic. We should absolutely do that as an episode. For me, a primary residence is like, and this is just a teaser, we can go into it way more later, but like, it's like the ability to customize my living space and it's an investment in my livelihood and my comfort, not something that I would view. I would. I would, of course count it toward my net worth but i wouldn't view it as like an asset in my it's not in your investable portfolio right correct so
1: that's where i'm at i'm in like a similar boat as you because like i'm not trying to trade every day like i'm trying to create wealth through the businesses i run and and create um but i am i am diversified i have mostly real estate or i say like roughly half real estate there's also equities and, and crypto But I do fall into one of the holes that Druckenmiller mentioned. He said, when you're diversified, you have zombie holdings, like something that's 10, 15%. It's not, you know, your biggest holding and you don't really like follow it as much as you should. And it just becomes a zombie holding that like, maybe you forget to like sell or you forget to layer on more and size up. And I have a few of those and I've seen it kind of bite my overall portfolio return. And so that's, that's been a little, little troubling, um, on the note of, of real estate real I think quick. it's important yeah. to point
0: out these guys are investors. Like we you and I were talking about this, so yeah. we should clarify this at one point. These guys are investors, right? <laughs> we're business owners, entrepreneurs, operators. It's a very different world and a very different amount of time you have to dedicate to this. Stuff. But it's a good mix. I think it's oh, for us, it's awesome. Yeah. But I just mean as a listener, you have to also keep that in mind. Like the person that's speaking and where you're at in your life is a very important decision. It's like if you can't replicate what Steven is doing, it's probably because. You're you're not Steven. You're not spending your day thinking about those things and you don't have his background. You don't have his experience, or you, don't you don't have his education. Exactly. So it's like when you when you have that background in tradfi and you uh, become so interested in crypto, of course you can apply that, but it's a very different very different world.
1: I just want to make a comment. I I have looked at um you mentioned real estate and looking over the next 18 months. So I went back and looked at data during the last recession. And, uh, some of the lowest returning deals as a limited partner in, <clears throat> excuse me, apartment complexes, uh, happened a year before the recession was kind of marked. And so, and then there were zero deals the year during the recession and the year after, but the, some of the best deals over the last 20 years were the, I'd say two years following the recession. So, there, the next you know year may not be the best time to kind of like look into apartment complexes um, in real estate. Um, I don't know; it's a deal by deal basis. But I, I just want to mention that to you, Armand, because I actually look back at all the historical returns.
2: I, I think that sort of thinking applies to almost all asset classes. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah,
3: I, th- I think you're right with real estate specifically. Like we we have this weird period right now where we just jacked up mortgage rates potentially going into a recession. So I think it's definitely in the cards that you could see 20, 30% declines in real estate prices. And if you're sitting on cash, like I, I think this could be one of those quote unquote generational opportunities. Cause I, I think you may be able to hop on, hop in and, and buy some stuff. Right. And then maybe a year or two down the line, like refi and get your rate cut in half. Right. And just be sitting like really pretty. On a deal,
2: and like I'm thinking that. from like the the public equity side. I'm thinking like, okay, so maybe maybe housing's held up better than tech stonks. But if it if it does get ugly, sort of uh, worldwide, then maybe that's an opportunity to uh, take a short instead of going short something that's already down eighty percent. You know, if something's only down fifteen, maybe that's an opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to segment single family homes versus apartment complexes. And I think like, you know, single family homes are, you know, we, we saw a, a, I think a three Sigma or standard deviation move Mm -hmm. in mortgage rates in such a short period of time, which it rarely happens. So I, I think it's going to be hard to predict what happens, but I think it's obviously to the downside. So, um,
2: but on the multifamily side, you're sitting pretty because, uh, rental income is going to remain elevated you know like rents are going higher like inflation is going higher you're going to get your income
1: right and i think if uh if it's if it's harder to afford a single family home typically the demand for rentals apartments goes, goes up. up right now you have increasing interest rates which you know affects the cap rates and affects like the the valuations which you know um, it, it, it all depends on the type of debt that the deal has you know if it's variable debt if it's locked in if it's interest only you know, if there's, um, you know, early buyout like fees and all that plays into, into effect in terms of like what type of debt you have. But, um, you know, in 16 days, I get the, the update on the quarterly earnings for the rent checks and we'll see. So what
2: gets wrecked hardest, like new builds? I was thinking like the builders are going to get probably wrecked. Does
1: well,
3: doesn't doesn't it feel like real estate is like the worst thing to buy right now? Like if you had to pick like a worst thing to buy right now, in my head, I think it's like I think it's actually real estate the worst thing the because worst it, thing because like, it hasn't like I would experienced rather, I would rather buy like a little bit. ethereum right now than buy real estate cuz you'd
2: rather buy something that's down 75%. It's
3: gotten it can go lower but also the upside is pretty high. like real estate i feel so sketched out i just see these rates cool. going up i see people like getting less and less free cash to to pay these things it, and it's obviously super market dependent but as like a generalized investor like I feel like real estate is really the kind of wait and sit on some cash and see if something comes your way type thing. And, I, in, totally and if you're it. not investing in crypto, Absolutely. I feel like I'd rather be yeah. start nibbling on like some I, apples or Facebooks or kind of like these blue chippy fang type oh, things. At some what point.
0: happened, Mr. No Stock?
3: No, no, I'm
1: not speaking as myself. Okay. I am. I am a. Generally. Yeah. I'm I've, a, I've,
0: are you guys I've, ready for politics? Almost. I okay. felt I
1: felt the that sentiment about real estate in my gut. And then when I looked back at the returns, I was like, okay, for sure. There's no harm in like waiting 12 to 18 months before mm. putting more money back in. Happy to see the deals, but not, not deploying the capital. I'm just going to watch and wait for now.
3: All right, cool. So bottom line, things are really iffy. Nobody knows what's going on. I don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. All of the very smart people in the world who I follow also don't know Shh. what's going on. Stan himself is like, I don't want to take a position Good, good luck for the next few months. I think like Hard sit on. on yeah yeah nibble on stuff you like. Keep a lot of cash. Manage your downside risk. Loving I think we cash. we might have a long road ahead of us. Still, we'll just we'll just see how it plays.
1: Everyone out. place your bets. The dice <laughs> are out. The dice
3: <laughs> are out. Place your bets. I mean, we, we, we could obviously just riff on this for forever, but I think we can uh,
1: we we can hop on to the okay. next cool. So, so tell uh, me about our future
0: president. Nobody oh, just God, did.
1: just don't start me like that. Oh, all right. He could be the future president. He could be the f- could future be. president. So we're talking about uh, California governor, Gavin Newsom, has just, yeah, announced, boy. has just announced an inflation relief package in the form of stimulus. The total amount or let's call it uh, direct transfer payments from the state of California directly to citizens. The total amount is 17 billion dollars. And here's some here's Drop the, in the here's the tears though, and this is where I think this will this will trigger some folks. Yeah. Um, if you make less than 75k, or as a couple you make less than 150k, you get 350 bucks. If you make 125k, or your couple is making 250k, you get 250 bucks. If you're a couple making five hundred thousand dollars or less, you get 200 bucks, and if you have a kid. You get $350. If you have two kids, you get another $350, and it caps out from there.
0: Half a million dollars and a couple tanks of gas. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, Thanks,
2: getting, buddy. they're getting hurt at the pump. You, know, you got to feed them.
0: Wait, wait, yeah. so you, you get like $300 per kid? Uh, I think it's, so first of all, the
1: the max cap is $1,050. Yeah. And I think that the calculation yeah. there is if you need the lower income tier, you get three fifty. dollars and then, if you have two kids, you get another seven hundred on top of that, three fifty per kid, and you end up at a cap I, I, of thousand. I don't 50. get it.
3: Like, does does every additional kid in your SUV like cut yeah. your gas mileage by like ninety percent? Soccer you need
0: practice, to- Steven. <laughs> yeah, come on, man.
3: People are gonna be like, Steven's so out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, if you have gotta three go. kids, you spend seven hundred dollars a month on gas. <laughs> <which> <laughs> gotta go.
0: Drop the kids a pickleball. Uh, <laughs> but this isn't like a,
3: a gas specific thing.
1: It's it's total
3: it's to just like, a, it's just a general like, hey, you're on tough times. Here's some cash. Is that like the the pitch?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. But I'll I'll give you my take right about it's it's not a pitch against inflation. Oh, pitch. It's a pitch against I uh, the governor has a a vote coming up. He's running again for for governor in 132 days, November eighth. Um, and guess when those payments start to arrive? Just perfectly in October. Oh, it's so weird. Just, just weeks before the, the election it's happens. What we call a
3: happy accident.
1: Right. And there's also this other thing going on where he may be trying to appeal to the uh, further outskirts of the base because he's also concurrently running ads in Florida. And why would a California governor be purchasing ads in Florida oh if he, he didn't really? play the long game oh of God. potentially running uh, in replace of Biden as a Democratic nominee for for president. So to, to me, I started thinking about this. I'm like, why would we introduce stimulus that caused inflation? We can argue about that for a bit, but that caused inflation with, with the problem that, that got us here in the first place. And to me, it's a very simple formula of like, the guy sees it as potentially buying votes. Like California has a surplus. I think a lot of that surplus has come from federal emergency relief payments, meaning the federal government pays the state of California because it's in a state of emergency. And that's where most of the uh, surpluses come from. And he's, he he saw it in his recall vote where he got put up for recall to get removed and replaced as governor. And he used an additional $600 stimulus to California citizens. And I think he saw that it kind of worked. Like it kind of got him out of that recall hole. Mm. And, um, hmm. I think he sees it as an opportunity again, and the reason why I think it's somewhat disingenuous is because for the tiers we talked about, a couple making half a million dollars, like uh, two hundred bucks, isn't to serve the people hurt most, most by inflation. I think if you were going to do that, you would probably like I don't know whatever the poverty line is, California. You'd probably like cap it at that and just say let's focus the seventeen cap it billion. At like
0: hundred k, man. Come or,
1: on. Yeah, I mean yeah. I don't know what the poverty line in California is. It's obviously it's higher than the nation. In California, it to be is fair. Yeah, I mean, it it could feel like that, but I, I think that's why it feels a little disingenuous. And there's several other things he could have done. So anyway, I I feel like it was something important to bring up because it's touching on inflation, something that's really big. You know, in economy. what's
3: your what's your main gripe here? Do you do you want to talk about how is this or is this? inflationary in a general sense is your main gripe the oh my god politicians are buying votes and this is going to be a dangerous slippery slope it's into what's happening that, that like, is what, what, do you,
1: what do you want to hit first that, that, that's like the the non-surprising part of it that oh my god a politician is acting its own self-interest to get reelected so i don't think that's as and we could talk on that but i think that's as, as surprising but like what what
0: I, but I think we should cover it we should like, we should just mention it that it's just like a fraud like and people fall for this kind of stuff
1: Yeah, I mean, I I actually looked at, you know, some of the comments on Twitter when he was announcing this. I'm like, I'm curious where things fall. Obviously, my algorithm is different than everyone else's. I was curious. Like, what what are people's reactions? Isn't that where the alpha lives? (laughs) Oh, God. Not not in politics. I mean, we often make fun of politicians for like, they think we're stupid, you know, and they they think that the optics is what is going to matter when all we really care about is the outcomes. But this is one of those examples where I'm like, we'll see. We'll see if people go for this, you know, handout and understand if like, does this cause more inflation and Ozit it is an easy ploy for buying votes? Um, I don't know. But so I do want to touch on the, the topic of does this cause more inflation? Can we do the inflation part first? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I want well, to You, you and thoughts. I were going back and forth a little bit. So the inflation part,
2: yeah. I think, is is interesting. Let's just start there because, um, you know, we did a, a whole episode on inflation, you know, mm-hmm. the, two episodes ago. And uh, where I came out was like that uh, fiscal and monetary policy doesn't impact inflation as much as I thought it did. Like the, the, the money printing, the addition the of money wasn't exactly what was like really driving inflation. Uh, this this form of fiscal policy might drive it a little harder because I think like this will directly get spent. Right. So it's like the velocity of money. Will it, it will like immediately go to velocity of money as well? Uh, but I, I, I still, you know, you guys basically convinced me two episodes ago that like this doesn't really impact inflation. Well, as much. I,
3: I think there's an important distinction though, right? Because like f- fiscal and monetary sound like the same thing, but I think when I say monetary, I mean like quantitative easing, that type easing of thing, or like bank reserves right. or something like that. Yeah, whereas fiscal is like hey, we saw your business might be in trouble. Would you like $40,000? No strings attached, zero interest. And you're like... Okay.
2: Because of its impact on the velocity of money directly.
3: Yeah. like yeah. you, and, and, and it's arguable that in the pandemic, right, we had this massive temporary demand destruction and we did do fiscal. We did helicopter people money, but also we there's some nuance there a there was like there was demand destruction there was a hole we had to fill and also we as far as i'm aware we actually borrowed it from the treasury right versus like some of the mmt crowd would be like you don't have to borrow it you just you just send it into people's bank accounts you know you don't you don't issue any debt. It's the beauty mm-hmm. of it. You just make the, that. That's like the true, like when people say helicopter money, right? They refer to the Milton Friedman mm-hmm. old school where he was like, literally, no, you literally print the money at the printing press. You don't borrow it. You literally. I you have know, the Milton Friedman quote the, on that my that screen. Was the thing. I like, that was It's like literally just enough. print it. money, put it in duffel bags and just dump it on people from helicopters. Well, he,
1: you know? he specifically says that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. I yes. think I've kind of like gone away from that because we see mm. that like supply and demand of goods has clearly infected in, in, in like, uh, influenced inflation. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact that the supply chain broke down and then we dumped money in people's bank accounts, demand went up, supply went down. Obviously we have, uh, price increases. So I guess I, I get away from the whole monetary phenomenon because we've, we've put money in banks before you know, we've done tons of quantitative easing and that hasn't had an inflation impact.
3: Well, it went into assets, right. right? There's a reason why, like this, that's why this is so hard for people. Cause there's so much nuance here. Like there has been kind of some inflation, but it's like, it's debasement QE, more than inflation. Yeah. When you do QE, it tends to go into stock prices, real estate prices. And that causes this whole right. other issue because obviously housing prices, rent, all this stuff, this is a huge component of the CPI print, right? So it does affect people. But I actually don't think we have gone into some sort of paradigm yet where we've actually been shipping people money and doing it in an era where there isn't like this massive demand destruction. So this California thing to me is interesting because it's like, oh, canary in the coal mine. Like this isn't covid right now. Like, yeah, we're kind of in a recession, But, like, COVID was like, oh, my God, like, we're going to do a deflationary death spiral, Great Depression, like, everything is, like, sky's falling, right? This is different. This is like, "Mm, times are a little tough, and I need to win an election, so here's some money. And it's not even like, here's some money to you, the neediest of the people. It's like, here's 300 bucks to poor people, and here's $200 to people making
0: He's just making sure everybody knows he's still here. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And and it's like, this is different. Like this could be inflationary in a bad way. If everybody starts kind of memeing this, you know, everybody in
1: power starts being like, what if I I reframe this and I'll take the the opposite of my own argument where let's say inflation is not the the topic of the times. And he says, uh, California residents, we collected too much tax. I'm going to give you a tax rebate and I'm just going to hand you back some of the money that we, we kind of overcollected. So here's some money back and I'm going to do it based on tiers on income. And if inflation isn't uh, a topic of the times, do we, does inflation even get brought up in that scenario? I don't, I don't know if it does. And so when you reframe it, it doesn't sound as bad. I, I still think it'd make the argument for buying votes and being obviously politically advantageous but it doesn't sound as bad. And I, I don't think any of us would be like, hmm. Oh my God, we're going to cause a, a massive inflation spike. Obviously the context we present ourselves in today influences how we think about it. And I still think it's not good. It's kind of uh, working against what we're trying to accomplish. It's, it's not good. Yeah. yeah. Directionally it's like the, in the opposite direction we want to go. Um, can,
3: can I throw something out there? And I'm yeah. curious what you think about it. Cause I, I actually am sympathetic to the sort of high level purported, goals of this policy. Obviously the execution is kind of what matters in the end and it's, it's executed terribly. Um, But I do kind of feel like we are going to get in a situation where we do have to like give people money, certain people money to buy very specific things. Like if I was ruling the world as a benevolent dictator, I would be trying to effectively like rectify some of this, like like we went through this period where we basically bloated asset prices. People who bought assets got really rich. People didn't participate in that. And then, oh, by the way, you can't buy a house and also your gas is seven dollars a gallon right now. How do you fix that? Like, I you can't just snap your fingers and make gas three dollars a gallon. You need to invest in supply, which we totally screwed up, and we can rectify that. But even if we do, it's still probably like seven years down the road to fix supply issues. So what do we do in the meantime? Do we just let people sit around and not buy gas? And we're like, yeah, sorry, Jerome's just like, we need some pain. We're going to, I I don't think so. Like, I think you do actually have to send people money, specific people, money. I'm kind of for that policy. And I I actually don't think it would be that inflationary if done right. Like, I'm curious if you think you have a better prescription for this.
1: I mean, if people Uh, bought gas, like you said, they're not going to buy more gas. They're just going to buy enough gas that they need to do their normal things. If they pay rent, that's not going to be inflationary. So if you could actually be smart about how you direct the money, you could obviously have the money put in ways that's not going to be inflationary. If they go buy a new big screen TV or a new iPhone or, you know, buy Bitcoin, like, I mean, obviously there's things that could be inflationary, but you know, there, there are also other ways you could accomplish that without giving people money. You could bolster food banks, food stamp programs, you could do earned income tax credits. How how gas? Yeah, I mean
2: Well, I think like uh it's a really it's really like putting a feather in the cap of like a, a digital C B D C with like a stablecoin smart contract that says like you can literally spend it on these things.
1: Mm. Yeah, you could you could say you can spend it on diapers, gasoline. You, you can see uh, why rent. they want it,
3: right? Because like if we were the Fed and we had a CBDC, mm-hmm. we'd be like, "Oh, this is easy mode. Here's Bullet free money. It has to be spent here, and you can only spend up to X amount. Beyond that, you're probably doing something and weird expires in nine months. Yeah, and like you can see why that would be good and why people would want to do that who are in power. Um, and now I feel like we're kind of getting into that. Uh, like kind of Russell Napier theory on how we're entering this like era of like very heavy financial controls, financial repression. There's going to be like this very concerted effort to simultaneously like print money to kind of even out this like wealth divide while trying to figure out how to confiscate money from the top and like fixing this kind of imbalance and letting people live their life by gas, by food, not having society, blow up walking this tightrope somehow, which I'm skeptical is going to happen. I think this is like, I, this is like a good kind of longer term or midterm bull case, I think for, for Bitcoin. Right. Cause I, I, I think Bitcoin's time to shine is like the liquidity drain is over. We've kind of peaked in recession. And then and the governments mm-hmm. are sitting around being like, Oh God, we've got social unrest. Like gas prices are still going to be high. Like after If this is the thing people have to understand, like all the Fed can do is destroy demand, but it's temporary. Like the second they take their foot off the gas or the brake. Right. There's no additional like it's kind of crazy, right? If you look at like the actual supply of oil, the production of oil, like Russian oil exports, it's the same. Right. It's the same that it was like a year ago, as far as I've seen. And it will continue to be the same, right? So once we're once they're like, okay, we're done. Prices just go back up. Inflation goes back up. We're in the same spot because we don't have the supply. And it's like, what do we do? And it feels like what all the politicians are gonna do is they're gonna they're gonna do the Gavin Newsom. They're gonna be like, all right, well, here's five hundred bucks just to pay for gas, and that's gonna be like, well, here's another five hundred bucks, but it's just for your diapers. You're like, oh, well, here's another thousand bucks but it's just to subsidize your rent and like where does it end and how do you protect yourself against that if you are sort of like a person who's kind of in the middle high tier of and you've got these assets but not a ton you don't have like you're can not we
2: pivot can we pivot to the to the other argument like the the buying votes yeah uh the buying votes argument and I, I think uh, what i'm asking is like what's the nuance here because i like my take when they when they first issued stimmy checks to the populace my thought was like oh shit, like this is a slippery slope. And and I thought like, I think right now we're kind of like shooting the messenger with Gavin here mm-hmm. because the moment we issued stimmy checks, I immediately thought, oh my God, this is now the path to get elected. Who's going to give me more? And like, here comes somebody giving you some more than the next guy. And then like the next guy after that will be like, well, I can give you more. And the next guy after that, and it's like, it just continues down this path. And like, if you're a self uh, interested actor, you're going to be like, well, yeah, who's going to give me the most? Like, cause most people don't give a shit. Like who's going to give me the most? Nobody gives a shit. to be like, it's to be like Dow's,
3: right? <laughs> like what do we do? Do we just, uh do we reinvest and, or do we pay ourselves? Oh, 98 to two. Oh, looks like we just cash out. It, it, like, Apparently
1: people like airdrops.
3: Uh, yeah. People are short sighted <laughs> and, 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 and rationally. So I would argue. Do,
1: right. do you guys remember um when George W. Bush did helicopter money. I forget. I think it was after 2001. Yeah. That was, that was such a yeah. cute little thing in retrospect. Right. And, and and to your point, Eric, <laughs> I remember I was like, I think I was in college or just out of college and I got yeah. this check and I was like, oh. Whoa, that's, that's crazy. And he was like, you know, don't let the terrorists win, like go out and shop and buy like, <laughs> I think that was his literal message was like, don't let them win. Like, you know, don't, don't be scared and still do things like, like you normally do. And I would have thought, like looking back to that, that like um, politicians maybe have saw that as like, huh, that was an interesting thing that politicians did. It maybe helps them in the long run. But I think this time around, I think politicians learn that when you do these stimulus checks, like it can be advantageous for you politically. And it's just really tough for politicians to solve some long term, you know, ambiguous like problem. And it's so much easier to say, here's some money. Let's uh, let's relieve your problem in the short term. I, you know, solving in the long run is not going to get me elected. So, here's this option, and and you can you can see right through it just by the execution and the framework of how they how they implemented this. So to me, it's it's pretty obvious.
0: Do you guys ever? I'm going to throw something kind of out of this world at you. Oh, oh boy! I know, <laughs> but but it might be. <laughs> Take I, me there. I think you'll you're really it. hyping it up. I hope it's good. no, no. It's just like if you if you were. Like another species <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, that's you were like, like that's like literally frog. that's like literally a meme in itself. If you were another species looking at this planet,
3: oh like an alien species,
0: whatever you like okay. and you were the most level of you, you were in the macro where you were looking at this planet completely unbiased. you're unbiased. Let's just assume you're an alien. Yeah. You're an alien. You showed up in your spacecraft. What else
3: would you you be?
0: Has broken (laughs) the physics of the universe. You found your way here and you discovered a planet. And on that planet, there were these organisms that evolved to the point where they were sentient, which is what we discussed. What does that even look like last time? And they developed an information system. Of currency first it began through the form of barter and they extracted raw materials and goods from the planet things that they valued that met their needs and their wants and their desires you want this I want that that created barter and then they agreed on different levels of complexity in this system and then once they agreed on the levels of complexity of what created monetary value they said okay So now we're going to construct a system that works for this geographic area, which we'll call a country. And then that became, well, how does this geographic area that agrees that this is valuable to us conduct trade and barter with another geographic area, which we'll call another country, arbitrary lines in the sand. And then we developed a global monetary system so that we could all these monkeys, literally, which is what we are evolved monkeys barter and trade and then create a system in which we could produce goods. There's supply. There's the demand of this, of what we're producing in the first place and being able to trade across these lines in the sand. If you were looking at that and you looked at the complexity of like what situation we've gotten into today, which is like what we just discussed for the last 20 minutes, what would you think is if you were to hit the reset button, for example, like how would you design a society and a monetary system, both domestically and globally that worked for the people? Like this is when I hear and I sit in the nuance of the details of the economic machine and the monetary system, all I can really think about is everyone is discussing such incredibly nuanced details of the system as it exists today. And we're trying to make that system better. But I often ask myself without that system imploding or needing to create some level of anarchy to explode the whole thing and start over are we actually moving in the right direction in terms of like, what would a productive financial system in which barter and production and supply and demand are necessary look like? Because to me, it's like, we're lost in the details. I imagine a bunch of I would start by giving all the power to a couple of people like Jerome Powell. (laughs) (laughs) This is the level of insanity. Like that's one example of the level of insanity that I'm talking about. Right. It's nuts. It's it, It's like backwards. And we're waiting. We're like, what is going to happen on July 11th? Like, that's the system we live in? Like, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Obviously I don't know. It's
3: obviously also, crazy. It's also maybe better than the old system we had, right? Yeah. But maybe not good. I, I think if you could just fast forward to the end game, like, what would you do? You would create some monetary system like the the perfect thing would be like you have a benevolent dictator who is purely good and has everybody's <clears throat> interests at heart and it's also like a freaking super giga brain AI thing and it knows all the parameters. So I think the end system probably looks like that except you figure out why would out it how need
0: to, to, to be that. a individual you know, benevolent dictator, though. Like, could it be? I'm just saying,
3: like, if you envisioned, like, with knowing stuff that we know, yeah. right? You could imagine, you could They've imagine some, everything. some Jer- Jerome Powell esque god of finance <laughs> who's merged with the machines and he's got like an AI and he knows all the financial parameters. He only has the best interest of humanity at heart. He tweaks all the parameters so everything thrives. And he's a gigabrain, so he does it properly. They don't do the Fed thing, and they then they don't get the bogged
2: up in the they and... don't get bogged up in the like the bipartisanship, like fighting each other. So that you have this like one guy making all the right choices. Uh, I
0: get unilaterally. so yeah, frustrated course. by the political aspect of all this stuff. Like you immediately just, zoom out. I can't help it.
3: But you, you realize I, this I, is I, just I, like I, the struggle between like conservatism and like progressivism, which right? is healthy. Which, which is good. It's I this, like that. Neither, neither is right or wrong. And it's totally. that push and pull that's totally. good, right? But like conservatism at its core is like humans are not good at this. They're not good at central planning. They have like these kind of like moral things that go awry in their head. It's best if we just take them out altogether, free market. But then you kind of have like anarchy and then you have the strong overpowering the weak. That's not great. But then if you go full progressivism, you get like the Fed. You're like, we can get four people in a room and they can just type in all the right numbers and then we'll have like financial abundance. Right. And and that obviously doesn't work either. Right. But I think that's directionally correct. But we don't have the capability to do it yet as like a species. But it's it's directionally correct. So it's like a question of when do we venture out versus hmm. like when do we just go like ah, humans are bad at this free market?
0: Is technology something that can uh, help us achieve that optimal outcome or? It, it
3: does seem like someday, right? The idea that you had Jerome Powell just tweaking interest rates instead of like some machine learning algo that knew everything about all of the data in the universe and everything. It could make predictions. It, it will probably seem really dumb to a future yeah. generation that we just had some guy yeah with like a money printer meme
0: (laughs) but i have to argue against my own point in that whatever i think that technology is is human at the end of the day you know we had this discussion as well right in in our discord that we better be very mindful and conscious of how we're treating technology the way we're speaking to it the way we're shaping it i mean it is human in so many ways human beings are coding it like the 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 parameters that we're setting are human like how this evolves is human i agree with you but there are there are iterations along the path to this like end game
2: right and like the iterations can be technologically advanced right so right now the way we measure inflation is like so archaic like it's, it's not actually based on price measurements we we actually like do interviews with like human beings and say like, how, how is your business being impacted? Like it's so
0: every, like very rarely. Right. Yeah, And, it, and it's
2: like <laughs> inaccurate. It's like inefficient, but like, and it lags, right? and it lags. Like, like, but if you, if you like measured every transaction on a blockchain, for instance, you could see price changes immediately and accurately. So that's like a, an instance where technology could improve this right now.
1: Yeah. And I'm kind of uh, on Eric's point, like, I think the general framework is good when you're talking about the end result, but I think these iterations are necessary problems and and bosses on the different levels you need to achieve in order to get to like a better place. Like there's no way you just like implant a system and it works perfectly. You need these problems and we need to work through them and we need to have discussions about like, why is this suck? And why, what could make it better? And what's the next iterative approach? And like, You zoom out and I'm like, well, let's zoom in and figure out what's the next best thing. What's the next best iteration of this? Because, yeah, it may not work out in our lifetime, but maybe in a few more, you know, if they keep iterating in the right direction, you know, it'll eventually get there.
0: 100%. All right. So the future is
1: a deep fake Jerome (laughs) Powell.
0: That was partly why I wanted to there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I knew
3: he was trying to I knew he was trying to segue I was, there. I wanted to just, just lubricate just the conversation
0: <laughs> a little bit. I you like know? that. I like that. Yeah. Just wet the whistle. I think I'm ready. Yeah. So wow. Deep fake? Yeah, take us home, beard. Take us to the future. I, I don't even know how to begin. I'm not ready to begin this, but I, I mean, why don't you tell the story about the Ukrainian situation? And I think that would be a really good like anecdote to like go yeah, into it what just, it was just a little what happened snippet I saw
3: on Twitter. I, I feel like it was, I feel like it was the Germans. They thought they were talking on a video to call Ukrainian, to the Ukrainian Kiev Prime the Kiev Minister. Mayor. Right? Was it Vi- mayor. Vitaly yeah. Klitschenko or whatever his name is? The fighter guy? Klitschko. maybe yeah. Klitschko. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, sorry. Send your hate mail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the call kind of got messed up at a point, and the I guess the face altered, and they realized they were on a call with like a not him. It was just like a it's like a TikTok filter, basically, but you know, an advanced one. And that was kind of like a whoa, that's that's pretty crazy. Like, and we we know this exists, right? We've seen many of us have seen like the Tom Cruise deep fake guy on TikTok, who for me is the most unsettling example of yeah. this I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the it's most
0: like perfect. It's, the best. it's a perfect fake. It's the best fake. Yeah. Yeah. I think for mostly a lot of because like
3: he, 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 does the voice himself, right? I Correct. think. And his, his voice is really, he does a really good so Tom Cruise the, impression. The and his actor face is like.
0: Was trying to succeed as an individual actor. And he kept running into this problem where people kept saying, you're, you're just Tom Cruise. You're like a you B- Tom Cruise. Like, you're, you, you look like Tom Cruise. Wait, is
3: that, is that what
2: happened to him? Yeah.
3: Was, I didn't no, even I didn't realize he was an
0: actor. Oh yeah. This guy is a professional. So he's like, the reason it, that the deep fake of Tom Cruise is so good is because the person who does it is so talented. And I wish I could say his name cause I want to shout him out, but I don't remember it. Um, so it's, shout out Deep on fake Tom. I his name Cruz. is just like Tom TikTok TikTok, yeah. Deep Fake. On TikTok as Deep Tom Cruise. Deep Tom Cruise. So this guy like literally decided a few years ago to go all in on just being Tom Cruise. He's got a it's million using
1: technology. It's not just him exactly, looking like him, but, but it's not like a He's doing what he
0: needs to do. He's moving. He's making the facial expressions. You're saying that if, he's if using I
2: jumped in, it wouldn't look nearly as accurate. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. And your voice would be Well, I don't good. look like Tom Cruise to you? Uh, <laughs> next lifetime.
0: <laughs> so there are insane implications. In this situation. Basically, what we have is a situation in which uh, to get right to the meat of it, reality is being questioned. Fucking cameras, man. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hold it in anymore. Our fucking cameras keep turning off. It's our first time, though. So if you're with us on YouTube, yeah, this is just what's happening. We'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. We're we're We are still have a bunch learning. Of smiley faces. Um, we have a situation in which... Technology is catching up to us to a degree in which reality is being questioned. We've developed a form of AI uh, that is like actually uh, to do again with neural networks uh, related to our last conversation where we've developed deep, deep fakes of individuals. Right. And so there's so much to explore within this, but the Tom Cruise example is just one example of so many where, You can essentially recreate an individual and make people believe that it is 100% authentic to the point where people are not able to distinguish the truth from fiction. And the repercussions of that, I think, is the most interesting part of this. Like what, are the, what are the
1: implications of this technology now? Existing? Play it
0: out just like we do with crypto or the markets. 18 months. What does this look like? 18 months, 18 years, 18 right. years. Right. Have you guys, even 18 years imagine what this technology looks like. Yeah,
3: I mean, we should just go straight to 18 years, I think. But let's then we're talking about the
0: solution years. because I
1: think there's, do you a, think there's a solution. Yeah, but let's talk about the implications first because, like, let's talk about the implications. To me, it's essentially democratizing fraud, right? You can create fraud. And you can democratize it, and not only will it be hands in the like nation states, it'll be hands of like us if we want to. I mean, look how much, how good some of these Snapchat filters are. They're hilarious and they work really well. And you know, imagine like uh, open source technology that allows you to deep fake another person. You input, you know, I don't know, a couple hours of video or audio of them, and then outputs like a filter. So this democratization will 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 go everywhere. The most obvious way is like. It could obviously tip elections. That's the like biggest threat I think about. It could tip elections. It could tip you know world decision makers in terms of like going it could to war send us into war yeah, yeah, exactly yeah so that that's like the worst case that comes to mind, but maybe there's a bunch of middle cases that like for the average person make life not not so just fun screw you know?
0: over right people yeah, absolutely so just I think like let's go on the on the because people say like is this a, is this a threat to democracy? Can this affect? our elections look at the last election there was no deep fakes that like tips the they, scale they got right? people on facebook ads man exactly that was the example i had written out it's like if you could get people on facebook ads and russian interference and think of the level of due diligence most people do zero i saw it <laughs> i saw it i went to my barber i told my barber about it and now it's viral and everybody knows about it. Hillary said X, Y, Z. But what if the originate, like original piece of content was just completely fraudulent in the first place? That entire person's like decision framework, which is based on either, it's not based on anything to do with like, well, Hillary's like this and like this and like this and like this across these different policies. No. Most people don't think like that. They think, do I like her? yes or no very binary and then they go what's her stance on abortion yes or no okay i'm good and then if a video comes out that says hillary's fucking pro life or pro choice or whatever it is done it's gone. They're never going to. And then imagine the level of follow up to prove to that person, no, actually, what you saw was a deep fake video. Oh, really? Prove it to me. And then we enter this long grand scheme of like, prove to me that the original video I saw was a deep fake and it's gone. And where we land, nobody's going to know what reality is anymore.
1: Your, your point is that like the threshold to give in something. Uh, of dif- disinformation is a lot lower than a deep fake and it already is happening and so when you have this it's it's far more convincing yeah, than- we, already, we
3: already have it with like meme images and like articles totally. never like yeah, a video you, you don't even need to
1: fake it you could just meme it and right. it'll spread. yeah you can just
3: write an article that's not true and it already spreads like wire, wildfire <laughs> if it confirms people's kind of like preconceived notions about a particular thing like you can just imagine like any random Donald Trump Deep fake video people be like I knew it share a hundred million times it's out there and then you can make endless ones of the you could just flood the whole internet with so much fake content you can't even parse out the real content anymore and then we're gonna have to get into this weird situation where what like we just have to trust like do we come full circle and we're like oh we have to trust CNN cnn put it out because otherwise like so i want to go,
2: go i want to go back that. to that but like i think where i land on this like the the first glance uh, response is like this is maybe the most dangerous technology that i've seen in my entire life yes. where like this could spiral things so far out of control because you can no longer trust what you see or hear and that's like like i don't trust you right now well, this whole thing is a simulation. I'm a fake <laughs> so of your alter. Like,
0: like, imagine being at that level, though. Oh,
2: there's like, I can't, can't trust
0: anything. If I can't trust that the video of Barack I saw is Barack, how can I trust you? Right. So I guess we're That's terrifying. So I think like the near term, right? Because not the
2: 18 years, but the 18 months, the near yes. term, the near term is that industries are going to be sprouted based on this, right? There's going to be authenticator, Uh, industries like Adobe and Adobe's like uh, competitors have already started Yes, uh, going down this path of being like well we can put a a blue check on a video that is like not deep faked and that's going to be a big big industry and I think like the other part of it is that these things are going to be banned like I think deep fakes are going to be are going to be illegal unless you like clearly label hey this is a deep fake and I think that's already been
0: implemented in places like China I was like doing a little bit of research the the problem is Technology moves in two directions. So as quickly as the technology is getting better for deepfakes, the security and prevention and identification technology is also improving. The creation but outpaces the detection. It, yeah. It outpaces our sure. creation. Always.
2: Side. And and I think like in, in TradFi, like a lot of a lot of people have been wondering okay, so like cybersecurity is going to be like one of the biggest industries of our future lives. And I, and I hadn't considered sort of like video authentication as part of that. But I, I actually think that's going to be like one of the oh, biggest components of it.
1: We need mm-hmm. a J pal 200 basis points, interest rate increase deep fake. And then we all oh, trade around oh, it. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah, Can just, you imagine? Buy some options. <laughs> I, I, Like that's, that's going to happen.
3: That's gonna it's happen. Some, it's going to happen at some point. That's going to be an like an incredible industry, right? Did, did you guys watch Silicon Valley? Where he makes I the hot dog it. app, right? Hot dog, not a hot dog. It's kind of funny, right? But in the future, I feel like that's going to be like critical. Like it's as, as, like a Facebook or a Twitter or something. Like if you can't figure out how to identify like a deep fake video in real time, like I feel like you're going to be opening yourself up to like crazy lawsuits. Like we're talking about politics and everything, right? But like, think about, you, you know, who's going to use this stuff first and like in the meanest way possible is like, like 12 year olds they're gonna like make videos it, they used to just be like becky you have a big nose but then like suddenly becky's gonna be performing like weird sex acts with people and they're gonna like release it and it's gonna look and it's gonna be like really people nasty thought and, cyberbullying was bad yeah no this is gonna take cyberbullying to no because like the biggest, terrible the biggest um,
0: you might like this stat 96 percent of deep fakes are porn no way! Right? Ninety-six percent. Right. Yeah. Right.
3: So it makes sense that the first use of deepfakes in the cyberbullying realm is going it's to be cool. like turning. It's just like,
0: like Becky giving a blowjob. Yeah, and it's going to be like some eleven-year-old girl,
3: and it's going to be like it's terrible. Disgusting. And it's going to be this. It's going to be your search engine rankings. for going to be like, like, be like twenty yeah, years. going to be like Facebook. And How could parents you allow this? Up and up it. it's yep. it's going to be a it's yep. going to be a disaster unless like somebody can create some really sick filtering technology Facebook that is
0: promoting the use of deep fakes because they want the data because they want to supply the prevention and security side the there, more that we get it at but the there, same time but there's also can, an
2: upside to it like uh, you know like calcium bagel in our discord said like this is the next step to the metaverse where like you can literally sit down and talk to your dead grandmother mm-hmm. uh, because they're going to layer on her deep fake face onto you know something that you want in the metaverse. And I actually think that that's like the real use case of this thing is like, uh, not criminally. Mm. I think it's actually, it can be used for positive. It's it's going to be the way forward
0: use case or the use case that you would hope. I actually think it's, it, that's the main use case. Like I I do think positive. Yeah.
2: I I think this is the way the metaverse goes, but I, I do see, I I said, I've never been more scared of technology in my life. I see the downside, but I do think that this is, there is an upside case here that is going to be sort of like the way forward.
1: feels feels like copium. I think like, I would like to think that's what it would be used for, but I can just see so many like incentives aligned by using this for, for bad means. And because we live in a pseudonymous culture and like, you know, there are, you know, pseudonymous Twitter handles that can post stuff and just like seed it into existence, you know, for market making capabilities, for disinformation capabilities. Um, I do think there is kind of like a, a crypto like angle to it or maybe like a ledger I angle to it where yeah. you could potentially, and I don't know where privacy rolls in this, but you could potentially like require device manufacturers to pub- publish metadata, you know, for every NFT that's that's made or published online, it like is maybe the metadata is like recorded into an NFT and this is the original use of that video. And there's some metadata published and I don't know where the, the privacy plays in this but you know this is where like a public you know off, you know authenticated ledger could come into place where you could go and verify that this is the in fact the original exactly. video yeah. and and but to your point it, it may not matter it doesn't matter it may Just not matter
3: people seeing that will be enough to correct right to they they
1: won't crazy. do the due 90% diligence percent of people won't won't No but I, yeah. I I do think in cases of like national security or things like that like it is yeah. important to have that like some kind of device you know
0: that seems like uh, an easy
3: solvable problem. Comes back to the platform. Is right. the
0: platform responsible? And then it comes back to this aspect of like who's who's the entity controlling like the news and dissemination of like whether something is real or not. Right. Like we had the disinformation board. We discussed that in one episode. Do we need a disinformation board to come out and say actually? That was not verified by the blockchain, that video that you think of Obama doing X, Y, and Z or whatever it might be.
1: I I saw another idea that was kind of this uh, online, it was an authenticated alibi. So let's say you carry a device, let's say it's your phone and there's an app on there, and it just privately, just for you, records your location, the time, where you are, are you on the phone, are you not on the phone, Mm. are you sleeping, whatever. It, It records all the data it could possibly manufacture and if a deep fake comes out about you you can then choose to publish a sliver of that authenticated alibi information and say wow. actually i have this app that like confirms that i was not in that location i was not in camera because i was actually like asleep from my sleep app or, i don't know you so know like I, you can see where this goes i but-
2: get i get your point and i think this goes back to uh, stevens like so where do we get our information from now if we can't trust anything anymore and like you know cnn new york times like these these maybe become sort of the trusted news sources and and like we went through we went through a whole web 2 regime of being able to like talk to each other and like maybe get info from each other but like if you can no longer trust any of that i think it i think it reverts back to sort of centralized top down this is trusted
1: this is this is a new world i think like democracy has to be resilient and like, we just have to realize that we live in a world of lies now. And like, this is the yeah. the facts on the ground, and we have to figure out how democracy yeah, can be like
0: really other way around. Because but, there's no way to avoid the oh, lies, man. right? I, it's got to come down to the individual.
2: Yeah, but you can't. You already said the, the, indivi- the individual. No, can't give me the tools. Give me
0: the tools. Give me the location do, do you see give a way the, out of
2: it with the tool? Because, like I said,
3: like. The, the, the girl in middle school is not going to have her face saved because she can ath- authenticate that she was actually in this position and that's not really her in the video. Like that's going to like ring pretty hollow for the people who are getting bullied with these things mm-hmm. for sure. I think it makes sense for political stuff, but that doesn't seem like a hard problem to me. The hard problem to me is just the so mass this is, proliferation of everything. That's a
2: good point. This is something that I brought up uh, yesterday when we were grabbing drinks after playing tennis. It's like, the fact that the four of us are on camera at all times now, we can be plugged into the GAN and we can be deep faked. We're but Becky, the 11 enough. year old can't be ganned because she doesn't have enough data available right. for the machine learning to actually capture her face. Uh, and I think, in I a, think
3: she just, she's just going to need like one photo or like one little video dude, in, I saw, in, the, in the future at some point. So and it'll be
2: on, on vice, they interviewed the guy who's behind deep Tom Cruise. It's like this Eastern European guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, he's like, I have, millions of data inputs on tom cruise obviously like there's so many like i have every facial expression he's ever made plugged into this gan and it's getting better and better because the GAN. but like becky the 11 year old is not going to have that much input but it won't matter in 10
3: years it'll just just be like like how computers used to take up an entire room and cost 60 million dollars and now they are in your phone and it's super powerful like it'll just like these will just yeah they'll be able to like kind of fill in the lines from all the other data and they'll be like, oh, I don't need data on that because these faces did yeah, this. Here's and how then, a face moves. Yeah. And it'll right. just be able to generalize in like a scary kind of crazy way and it'll just, boom, it'll, it'll, it'll look super realistic.
1: Are, are we going to have to teach, you know, last episode we talked about teaching, um, you know, about money. Financial literacy. Financial literacy in school. Are we going to have to teach... You Know, or like, uh, I, I don't know what the topic would be called, but like, how to understand what's true and not, like, right. what is real I feel like information? Kids already
3: know that because they live in this world, maybe like they're better at it than is, we are. Well, it's yeah, weird who's because they know they know everything <laughs> is filtered online, and the filters are getting crazier now. Before, a filter was like some lighting thing on a still photo, right? But now it's at the point where you can film an entire video of yourself and just look like a supermodel or look like literal, a literal clown and clown face or anything you want, right? You look like a freaking hippopotamus, like the, the big
1: fan of the crying face on Snapchat, by the way. It's yeah. Hilarious. that's hilarious.
3: <laughs> it's crazy. So it's weird because these, the, 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 the kids, kids these days sound like freaking yeah, absolute boomer now. You're old. But, sure. Do. <laughs> but they know these things. They they know it, right. They know it up here, but yet they're still drawn into it. They still do feel ugly. They still feel bullied. They still feel, disconnected so there's like a part of us that sees that as real and like feels it even though a part of our brain also knows it's it's not it's still it still does affect us and i worry that that effect is going to get worse and worse and worse as like these things get more and more and more real and because like like we were saying earlier at some point it might be us not us like looking into a phone we might be literally in a physical space at some point point feeling as though it's like real life and seeing things and experiencing that. So like, imagine like the equivalent of like Instagram filters, except you're just like living it in the metaverse, but maybe like, that's the solution is everybody. It's just like an arms race where everybody gets the nukes and everybody is like, has all the filters and everybody just lives in this fantasy, like kind of, perfect self like I, I don't know but I don't know where it ends but it, it just seems like it's going to get
1: it's going to get pretty crazy
2: next bull run all I know is next bull run I'm going to long the shit out of these like authenticator uh, yeah. roles or you're going to
1: create a deep fake to long your your mostly you know reflective you just token crypto Tom Cruise <laughs> I'm gonna
0: turn myself into you guys and, uh, and just I, do whatever I think you guys do. last election very interesting there was interference obviously um, you know everyone looks at that differently but in this next election, I, I I do think that like debating what is true is going to be the the t- the the highlight of the conversation more than ever before. Not just like was that video, you know, what was that quote true? What's the source of that conspiracy? But like, right. it's already, I think going, deep that, fakes it's already will going that it's already going that way. A role we're we're so screwed. But so. by the way, in the last election, the Biden there were Biden deep fakes. Of yeah. him, like, falling asleep and,
3: like... No, that's, that's a good point. Like, you could just make that... Like Obviously, he fell off the bike. Wasn't a great look, like, a week Was ago. Was that a deep fake? No, but you could just make it, like, <laughs> see, slightly more... Like, see, I don't know. slightly more pathetic, And it'll go hyper-viral. But, but, but what,
0: I, what I mean is, like, Biden fell off the bike. I didn't do any more due diligence than that. Right. I saw it on Instagram yes. and reels. But you saw... Did you the guys see, fuck no? Did you guys see
2: Pelosi... Slurring her speech. Most oh, that, that was was of that those up. are that's fake. That's the best example. That was a deep Most fake. of those are fake. No, that was like a clear deep fake, and they like debunked it and they just slowed her voice down 5%. She sounded dry.
0: I gotta go to work and I gotta move on to the next thing. Right. I would have moved on and said, if, boom. If that's from the fake, start you real.
1: knew that was fake, and the logical part of your brain said, I know this is fake. But then you watch and you're like, Nah, I wouldn't put a buyer. Why would you right.
0: initially say that that's fake? Well, maybe in the first you knew. Place? Maybe someone said this. Maybe there's is a, a blue deep check mark fake. On Yeah, it. Okay. it has a
1: check mark saying it's a deep fake, but okay. you still watch it. Yeah, if you don't like Pelosi, you really want it to be
3: real. Like, right? He, like right. people like really want to. And confirm the fact that you've seen it, it's like it gets really into
2: it your real. into your like subconscious almost. Like you've seen it. Yeah. But it's not like, believing like the
0: bias, checks is you know? a part of my becomes a part of my identity as well. It's like, I'm not Ah, uh, what Facebook tells me. That's truth. No way. Uh, there's no way back out. to the individual. There's
1: no way out of this. I mean, when it comes to elections, uh, actually Steven and I, we, in New York, we happen to have, uh, drinks and dinner with someone who is an advisor to CISA, which is a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. They, they help with, uh, election security and they're mostly around like infrastructure in elections and, and across the country. But I mean, he was just giving us some like off the cuff examples of how they're not prepared for even basic things like physical attacks on, on election centers. And there are no way prepared to handle disinformation yeah, totally. on this level right. in, in elections, let alone like we're talking about, you know, federal elections, not even like state level or, yeah. or local level. Elections. Creation is prepared. like
0: 10 X past like prevention in, in, in every way. And it's not just uh, politics, blackmail, art, acting, and Hmm. crime. There's this example of like, um, apparently like people with like criminal background, like crooks, are getting jobs remotely where they never actually have to show up, like using deep face.
1: Oh, developers do that all the time. Like, (laughs) I mean, every developer I've interviewed is like, I only work remote now. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, because you're working three jobs at the same time at home. (laughs) You're basically defaking it. I mean, people job. were posting about like the North Koreans doing
3: that on Twitter. I I remember that. They were like, Great there's developers, th- some the whole like army Stop. of North Koreans <laughs> trying to like infiltrate like all of these companies and everything like that. uh John Wu, I remember like that's like that Twitter handle. He, he posted a whole detailed interview of him where he's like, I think I just interviewed a North Korean spy. And like <laughs> and people were like, initially like, that's not no man, you're just being weird. And then somebody else later was like, yeah, this is, this is actually a thing that's happening you know they're trying to infiltrate and it's just going to get
1: easier and easier and easier if they can just look like you mm-hmm. and talk like you and look like you and just, yeah that's oh that's, and upwork they do it all the time i mean they they use a an american sounding name and their ip address like you know suspiciously is in china but very close to the north korean border and they're they're obviously like you know trying to collect money and and get information and whatnot
0: yeah these are not, like, citizens, right? Those people... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they, they collect like...
1: money on, on Upwork, but I don't think, like... Uh, I don't know. They're, they're probably not North Korean citizens. I don't know okay. how they're going to pull the money out of yeah. Upwork into, like, a North yeah, Korean like bank, bank account. account. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how that works.
0: Yeah. So, you guys know how... Um, you guys ever heard the phrase, like, the Matrix was a documentary? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
3: I actually haven't heard that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, well, they... what? it was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to highlight like our future right and we're really where we're going and the fact that like we're going to exist in this in this other realm and become these like meat bodies that are plugged into this other okay so we'll leave the metric matrix aside what the deep fake sort of technology revolution makes me think about is inception if you guys have seen that yes I think Inception was a documentary in so many ways, more than The Matrix. One of the things that, that there's two things that tie into that. One is deep fakes and the other is simulation theory. With simulation theory, you're questioning your base level of reality. With deep fakes, I'm questioning if I'm looking at Eric right now or I'm looking at a deep fake of Eric. And really at the end of the day, I think if you extrapolate that and you really play it out, the 18 year scenario, sure it's only in the digital sense and someone has to play that character and i need ai to like basically uh take on the parts of eric that have already been documented to make me believe that this is eric but like simulation theory proposes that this entire everything that i'm looking at is a complete mirage and where i land with that is like i think the biggest struggle of our lifetime something that nobody wants to think about that i often tease is we're not going to have any idea whatsoever what reality is.
2: Right. And where I personally land is like I'm getting firmer and firmer in my belief that we're already in the mirage.
0: And that's (laughs) a scary thing. I know, man. I know.
3: Well, like you're saying, it's like it's kind of scary how little information our brain sort of parses. Like when I look at your face and I'm like, that's Armand. Yeah, I'm not touching you. I don't. I don't know. I can't. Can't see that you're like a 2D cutout. Like I'm taking like a, my brain's taking a couple data points on your face and a couple way things move, and it's just like, yep, that's Armand. That's it. Like, it, and it's it, it's we really overestimate like how much information our brains like actually process to like define what reality is, and I feel like it's like actually really terrifyingly easy to short circuit it right it's like a failure point steve
0: and i were talking about this separately it's like i I think we're both pretty terrified by the idea of like how this plays out this whole deep fake technology to the point where like if human beings really don't know anymore what's real and what's not where where does that land an individual like in their Baseline reality understanding of what it like, how to even operate. Like, don't they lose their complete operating system? Like, where it, you'd be terrified. Imagine be where like, you
2: lose it entirely. Like, imagine a video game where you can like change your skin at a, on a whim. Imagine you can like change your face on a whim. And maybe that's the way it goes, where it's like you actually stop using that as the filter. Like, you stop using right. your sensory perception to determine reality because you no longer can't. You can't,
0: but, and, and I think most people would just sit around going like, well, uh, I have to create a new meaning. For no, myself. it'd be <laughs> like
2: you'd, you'd base it on like a soul bound username. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you'd base it on something like what Nick was saying, like it's something on the blockchain, it's something like this user said this, it wouldn't be like this bearded guy said this.
0: Right. right. So when you say there's a possibility that you're already in one. How do you arrive at that? Because I think that that that's well, the most interesting. Well, I think it's like, another conversation for another day. Yeah,
3: It, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. You, I know you really want to have the simulation. No,
0: that's fine. One, that's fine. And, and I, 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 I think the and fact think
1: that we should. Eric has played Sim City, you know, oh my god, for, for to, my to, entire life. Yeah, to his entire life. Is <laughs> I've played like a, a lot of Sims. I a, Sim City. A great
0: precursor
3: Sim to Farm, a future episode. Yeah. Sim <laughs> Ant. Oh God. All right. Sim Golf. <laughs> Love Sim Golf. Actually, I've played a lot of Sims. Now that I think about it.
0: Maybe we're playing one right now. That's the point. I worry about it a lot. I think it's going to be like the, the. I mean, you said it, you said it beautifully, like the most important, terrifying thing that occurs technologically and how we deal with that is going to be. Wow. And it's
1: not because the, 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 the magnitude is big, but the fact that like any human being can acts, access the magnitude of the effect of this tool is crazy. Cause like, there's only like I I don't know, 13 people that can launch a, a nuclear missile but like you when you give you know 6 billion the people to convince 13 people that they need to launch one is is where it comes a little freaky
2: good point
3: oh boy do you think that aliens like 10,000 years from now when they look back on us like they they're going to look at us talking about deep fakes and like oh my god this is going to ruin the world do you think they just rewind Three thousand years earlier, like when humans invented fire, and would, they were all sit, like, if they had roadcasters <laughs> and headphones, they're sitting around being like, "I can't believe we've just unleashed this like destructive oh my, found uh, fire. power." Fire going like, to kill the any world. Human to just incinerate anything on the planet. Like, what is going to happen to the But to us now, it's just like, oh yeah, fire. We have like a lighter. I, I think they're just going to be impressed with the food. Will it just be like, are we we like super overthinking things and it's just all going to be fine? I think that's fries. That's my takeaway is that
2: it's going to be mostly used for benevolent reasons. Like it's going to create French fries more than it's going to create anarchy. So we're all just like old man yells at cloud right now. Well, I obviously see the downside. Why do you believe that? I'm optimistic. Yeah. I don't know. But like optimism
0: usually wins. That's, Op- that's, optimism, that's that's optimism. Can argue with that. Well, opt- optimism is inherently has action incorporated. There is an idea, but I worry about the level of pessimism that perpetuates society. Like I worry about shows being created like Black Mirror, because on the one hand they stand for here's what not to do, but on the other hand they're a feedback loop of what to do.
2: Here's a blueprint for the uh,
0: the evil doers. And most people put their creative energy toward what not to do and what dystopia looks like. When was the last time you guys watched a movie about like some sort of utopia? Nobody watches one because they don't exist, yeah, right? Boring, yeah. They're boring, and also because most people believe that utopia is inherently boring because there's nothing to do. That's why Kevin Kelly calls it protopia. Like there's progress and it's mostly positive, but it's not. Mm this like perfection and then you're done because done is stagnant and there's nothing to do, but like dystopia hits at that, like fear center of the brain and people are intrigued by that. And what I worry about as an optimist is that most people are putting their creative energy toward all the dystopian worlds that we might live in. And then this goes back to the beginning of like making art and movies and film. I I think it's really, I I try to personally stay away from like taking in too much uh, of that type of stuff.
1: I I thought Avatar was the most utopian film that I've ever seen. It like had an impact on me. I was like, whoa, I could see how they like integrated biology into how things work. And and, and like it is seem like seamless. And if you played out like a thousand simulations over 10,000 years, like things might develop in this way and it'd be nice. Yeah, did did that, anybody that, else root for the military guys In Avatar or was that Did like, you? Did you? What?
2: <laughs> what the
1: fuck? I mean, I mean like, like If he would have been successful like, like, like pure 100,000 X He has X, to take the, you the know, counter return, trade like, course, He always has
0: to take the counter trade that is like, you This know, is a feel good movie right? Who's <laughs> the villain?
1: The military guy had a positive EV On invading the planet Like it was a purely a positive expected <laughs> value Kind of like a Thanos <laughs> thing going on You know You're like <laughs> I
3: kind of get it I kind of get it all right. <laughs> all right. So oh, main takeaway is it's gonna be okay. But we should eyes open.
0: I don't know. Do you think it's gonna be okay? It's gonna be okay, but I bumpy, think it's going to be okay. bumpy yeah, along the bumpy road. road. I,
3: wow. I am bullish on humanity. In spite I am, of, I'm like Rick. I was where born in bullish spite of all humanity. the bare porn charts I post, I am fundamentally long term bullish on the world.
0: I think not being is like, why are you even participating in society? Like, it's hard to. Yeah, it's a
3: valid question. Yeah. Why, why? Why even be here? If you're why not be an here? And, and and
0: sadly, that's where a lot of people land. Like they're mm. like, no, I don't see the point. And that's sad. I get it
3: as an occasional short-term pessimist,
0: but so let's be bullish on humanity. But I, I I really believe what it comes down to more than anything is not where the technology is, but it's where our minds are where we focus our attention, where we focus our energy, what we consume, and what we build. Because what we believe creates what we say on this podcast. What we say creates what we build, what we vote, what we do. And then that shapes the future more than anything. Well said. Good one. Okay. All right, gentlemen. This was great. I'm having an episode. See you guys next time. Did our cameras even work? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Peace. Love you guys. Love you guys. guys.
1: Thank you.